Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1999's Magnolia, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson and starring Tom Cruise and Julia Moore and every other actor you want to see. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? Um, so when we did the Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey episode, we were like mm-hmm. talking about how great Hal Landon Jr. was in that scene where he's pretending to be Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. And I think I said something about uh, how I wanted to revisit Eraserhead because you looked through his filmography and found that he'd been in there. Yeah, his ty- his he's like mechanic. Or Pencil something. operator or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. So I watched Eraserhead again, <laughs> and sure enough, there's Hal Landon Jr. Um, oh, man. It's after Jack Nance gets his head chopped off, uh-huh. and they find it in the street, and the kid picks it up and brings it into the factory. Mm-hmm. They, uh, the big mobster guy like takes the, takes the head and, and brings it in, and... They go in the back and there's there he is working that pencil thing and he like looks mm-hmm. at the mob guy and goes it's ready. And okay. I'm like, there he actually looks older in Eraserhead than he does in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Wow, no way. He like aged backwards like Benjamin Button or something because like I, I mean he, his his hair's all gray hmm. and maybe it's just the film stock I don't know but he's like it, it was mm-hmm. it was it was cool to see. David Lynch did something to him. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> yep. Um, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Good one. Yeah. Eraserhead. Yeah. I have to rewatch that myself. I've been wanting to. Yes. I watched another kind of creepy movie. It's recent. It's A Quiet Place. It's the new John Krasinski joint, you know? Mm-hmm. It's uh it's pretty good. Yeah. I'd say it was scary. And uh even though there it has a few plot contrivances like any respectful horror movie does. Naturally, you know, you yes. can't really avoid it. It's yes. nearly impossible. Uh but Man, this was a great movie. Okay. It was actually really well executed. The performances in it are excellent, which I think is what really makes it something special. Horror movies with good acting? Yeah. Yeah, great acting. And uh, Millicent Simmons is the daughter in the movie, and she's a deaf actress. Okay. So she plays a deaf child in the movie, and it actually has a reason to be there, you know? And it, I don't know. Casting her is a great decision, and... She's probably the best part of the movie. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, if you want a good, scary movie to watch, and I think it's PG-13, so you can bring your little kids to it if How you want. How about that? You know? All right. So uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. Quiet place, everybody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so now let's talk about Magnolia, Dave. Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Oh, boy. Tell uh, us what this movie's about. Yeah, so what's Magnolia about, everybody? <laughs> Real quick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll give you a one-sentence synopsis. Um, the thing is, like... Uh... <laughs> That's not a good start. Exactly. I know, man. Uh, all right. <laughs> let, let, let's, let's rewind for a minute here. Yeah. Uh, how about um, there are a bunch of desperate people in the, mm-hmm. um, and they're connected in ways they don't know about. Um, and they also have lived lives that are similar to one another. Mm-hmm. And they have all at some point experienced, you know, times of like neglect or rejection mm-hmm. or abuse. Yep. And they are all just trying to get through life. And trying to help another person in some cases, and also being uh, regretful about things they've done. Mm-hmm. And uh, here we go. I've been wanting to talk about yes. this for a while, yes. and it, it's it's ju- just like every time we get into these things, where where it's like a movie that's just been on my mind for years and years, and I've always wanted to have a conversation about it. It's going to be a shambling wreck of a show. <laughs> You know, that's just how it goes. No, it's going to turn out all right, Dave. It always does once yeah. we listen to it. But yeah, it's it's it just, it, it never goes the way I picture. I mean, 
It's not going to stop till you wise up, Dave. So straight up. And, yeah. and you uh. know what? Amy Mann <laughs> is is up there like in our we were trying to figure out who'd be on the dais along with like Clarence Clemens uh-huh, yeah. in our bogus journey mm-hmm. or in our excellent adventure. That would be awesome. Yeah. Amy yeah. Mann would probably be up there. <laughs> I'm down with that. Yeah. So, yeah, this movie is hard to kind of put your finger on. Yeah. It was Paul Thomas Anderson's third film, right? Yes. Uh, from 99. It was His after Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Third feature. Yeah. And I remember reading that uh, he wanted to do something smaller in scope after Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of just blossomed into this. <laughs> uh, it's kind of a miracle he pulled this movie off, I think, if you ask me. Because there's so much happening in this. Mm-hmm. Being juggled. And it's, it's not really juggled if you drop a ball, everything falls apart. Right. Um, like you said, they're all kind of connected to each other, but they don't know it. And really, the connections aren't really too important, if no. you ask me. It's kind of just like, all right, this kid's on a quiz show, and this guy was on a quiz show as a kid. Like, there's something there, but it's not really, you know, nothing is relying on this. Yeah, it's not a tangible connection yeah. that, that, that is totally necessary to the plot. And the movie starts with a bunch of, it recaps a bunch of coincidences that have happened throughout history, mm-hmm. and it kind of sets up, you know, our, all these coincidences, quote unquote, that are happening. Yes. And I think... My favorite thing about the movie is you can't really even put your finger on what it means. Like, what are these connections meaning? Maybe maybe that the actions we take affect people in ways we can't understand. Yeah. Or things like that. Right. Or... No, you're right. It, it, it's not um, something where, where if you if you start to pull the thread, it, the whole thing unravels because like their connections are so tenuous at best, you mm-hmm. know, in many ways. And... I mean, Stanley has nothing in common with Donnie. No, not at all. You know, no. they, 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 they're completely different people. Um, and I don't think that Stanley will grow up to be Donnie, you know, in I, any way possible. I don't think so either. And Stanley, I don't know. They were both the quiz kids, you yes. know. Uh, Donnie's now, you know, down on his luck because his parents took all his money. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what's happening with Stanley. Yes. His dad just wants him to make this money. His dad is a stage father in the worst way. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate him. Yeah. Uh, and and you you can only get, like, Michael Bowen to play such a character. Yeah. And I the first time I saw this movie, I thought it was Jay Moore. That's what <laughs> okay. I thought. But it's not. He's wearing a Jay Moore wig, I think. But, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah it's that, the Jay Moore model. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, he's overbearing uh-huh. and kind of... He doesn't even seem like he loves his son. He's just kind of like, all right, hurry up. Why weren't you ready? Yep. You know, just constantly saying things like that to him why didn't you get that right what are you doing and he's like you're making me late and and he he gets into this like thing where he he sort of insidiously tells his son that he loves him um like like periodically throughout the day he'll just be like love you and and you know okay go get him buddy yeah be kind of nice to him in in spots and then when he really needs something from him it's it's just I guess that's really the the worst part of his abuse is is that it's not it's not like like so in his face it's just right. subtle you it's know? this passive aggressiveness yeah and uh, I forget what that's actually called what kind of abuse that is mm. but it's this kind of constant just very gentle abuse that's yes. happening all the time like this kid might grow up afraid to do anything because yeah. he'll get yelled at you know of course so who knows. But yeah, not connected to Donnie, though. No. (laughs) (laughs) Donnie just got all his money taken from his parents, and then he got struck by lightning, and his life (laughs) fell apart. Yes. (laughs) After the the first three, um, like, coincidence, you know, uh, tales that they tell us, 
one of which is very entertaining about the guy, you know, committing suicide and like getting shot by his mother. It's so odd. Yeah. Which is, you know, man. Um, <laughs> after that, we get like a 13 minute intro mm-hmm. um, where, where we're introducing every character and getting a lot of exposition across. We see a TV set. And on the TV is Tom Cruise mm-hmm. in yeah. an infomercial for Search and Destroy. Seduce and Destroy. I'm sorry, Seduce and Destroy. <laughs> yes, uh, it's his. <laughs> it's his like 15 point plan for getting women into bed, no matter what. Yeah, I mean, guaranteed. Frank T. J. Mackey yeah. is a despicable character, and Tom Cruise is having the time of his life playing mm-hmm. this guy. Yeah, Tom Cruise told. Paul Thomas Anderson to write him something. Mm-hmm. And this is what he came up with. And I think uh, Tom Cruise actually helped develop the character because originally he was supposed to be a little more meek, uh-huh. kind of like a nerdy kind of guy. <laughs> but Tom Cruise said, no, make him this balls to the wall, brash dude. And like Tom Cruise totally understands this character, which completely is why it's so good. Every aspect of the character mm-hmm. too. I mean, like it is, Without question, my favorite Tom Cruise performance by by quite a long ways, mm-hmm. um, because I, I am I am completely you know like taken with that opening uh, moment where he comes on stage. Oh my god! Tells the audience to uh, th- th- this. The spake Zarathustra exactly, starts playing. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> His arms are coming out. Oh, and He's the crowd's doing roaring. A Christ pose, uh-huh. and, and the the these idiotic men are in the audience. You know, to to hear him speak. They're at to, a seminar. Yeah. And he tells him to respect the cock. And tame the cunt. Holy wow. shit, everybody. That's the first line out of Tom Cruise's mouth. Well, besides that infomercial. Uh-huh. It's disgusting. <laughs> the way that this guy is saying this with force and conviction. Uh-huh. And then the crowd's reaction is, hell yeah, yeah dude. That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's disturbing. <laughs> It is, it is just like, think of, I mean, a room full of toxic masculinity, you know, Mm -hmm. a bunch of men who absolutely hate and fear everything about the female, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. I I apologize for the harsh language, folks. I mean, but it has to be said because like, you know, you have to know what you're getting into. Yes. And I just realized we might talk for five hours about this movie. I know. Because there's nothing we can do about it. It's and and, gonna... <laughs> and I, I was I was thinking that might happen, and I was yeah. I was waiting for, for us to notice it about ourselves, because yeah. it's like, yeah, that is how long it's going to take. Uh, but, dude. <laughs> so Tom Cruise was nominated for an, an Oscar for this movie, yeah. rightfully so. Yeah. I don't know who he lost to. Do you remember? Yes, I do. Okay. Michael Caine for Cider House Rules. Okay. Um, it is a bunch of bullshit. Um, and uh, sure. if, if there was ever a year where Tom was supposed to get it, it was this one. Yeah, yeah. And he got completely hosed. Okay. Yeah. Well, that sucks, Michael Caine. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to have a hard time speaking. <laughs> See, I already am. Just, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to talk about this movie because there's so much. We've got to like... Go bit by bit. Yeah. And like just talk about these pieces. We've, that's what we've got to do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we've talked about Frank TJ Mackey, how he hates these women. Yep. And like he's so, he seems like he's so powerful and in control all the time. And the thing about his character is we find out he's a fake. Yep. He's a fraud. You know, he's not really this like all powerful, you know, seduce and destroy guy. Mm-hmm. Like maybe he is, 
maybe that's just because he looks like Tom Cruise. You know, maybe it's not because he's out there acting like a jerk. Who knows? Right. He is physically perfect yeah. at this time <laughs> right. in his life. I mean, like uh, everything about him is just completely. He has not one ounce of fat. And, and we see him in his underwear at one point. And, and he's got man, the Dirk Diggler prosthetic. He is. He must have it. it, it that can't be real. He's wearing tight white underwear, and he has a huge bulge. You know what Paul Thomas Anderson said about that? What? He said, he's the world's biggest movie star. Of course he's got the world's biggest cock. (laughs) Fair enough. He's not giving an answer to what's going on with that. You know what? Then I'm going to say that that's probably all Tom. Maybe it is. That's pure cruise. But this is another scene. He's getting ready to do an interview. It's like this like 60 minutes expose or something on Frank T.J. Mackey. Who's the man? Uh Uh-huh. You know? And uh, character Gwendolyn is the uh, character Guinevere. in Guinevere, played by April Grace. April Grace, and she's great in this mm-hmm. movie because she sits down to do this interview, and he's getting interviewed by this woman, you know, so he's going <laughs> to use his power to control where the conversation goes. And she kind of makes you think it's going to go that way, but she's in control this whole time, and you can kind of sense it. She's got all the cards. She's got all the cards, that's for sure. And uh, Tom Cruise is, like, in his underwear talking to her at first. It's hilarious. <laughs> and he's, like, doing backflips uh-huh. and, like, panting like a dog left and right. He's, like, in the zone, uh-huh. you know? And uh, she eventually <laughs> breaks him down <laughs> when he's panting like that dog. <laughs> and he's just spouting nonsense. He's, like, saying one word and then, like, going, <laughs> women, <laughs> power. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so weird, yeah. dude, this guy. Um <laughs> But she ends up, like, chipping away at him very slowly before she, like, puts in, like, the finishing blow. She's like, well, you said you did this. Uh, You went to this school, but I didn't find any records, you know. And you said your mother died or your dad did this. and But that's not what happened. Yeah, he said that that his mother's still alive. That was what his official bio Uh said. And that his dad passed away. Mm -hmm. Um, And she knows that he's lying. Yep. It turns out that he actually had to take care of his mother who died of a long illness of she cancer. died of cancer while he was 14 yes and his dad left when he was i don't know eight or something 10 it was just yeah like i can't a remember kid. when mm-hmm. so this guy has made this fake persona because of his past he can't he doesn't want to be that person right and even even though seduce and destroy is the dumbest thing i've ever heard of in my life <laughs> He even says, like, it's not about picking up chicks and sticking it in. Uh I think that's the actual line. Yes. But it's about finding out what you can be in this world. Now, that's a philosophy you can get behind, you know? Finding out what you can be in this world? Yes. Yes. Not sticking it in, you know? (laughs) If if it was all about, like, empowerment of people. He's Tony Robbins, except for sex. Yes. That's what he thinks he is. That's what he's trying to be. (laughs) <laughs> and I mean, during his workshops with these guys, like during uh-huh. the seminar, I mean, the, the, the stuff he's laying down mm-hmm. um, at one point, he he, he says uh, he's like crouched in front of this guy who's sitting in the front row. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Asking him questions like kind of, um, you know, he's being trying to be sensitive to this guy. Like, oh, so and Denise. Uh, so she's your friend. And, and yeah, uh, yeah. you told her how you felt. And, mm-hmm. and what she say? He goes, well, he, she doesn't think of me that way. And all the other guys go, oh, yeah. <laughs> he goes, you know what? I, I, I think that everybody in this room has has felt that kind of pain right well i tell you what we're gonna work on this and we're gonna set goals denise um, the peace denise the peace yeah, he's gonna mark he it down her, he's yeah. writing it up put and it in you your calendar have been warned. <laughs> yeah oh god it's... i got my lasers and tasers and he's, icbms he's sermonizing up there man it's it's so crazy <laughs> i love it <laughs> i love watching I him love, do it i love it like 
I hate what he's talking yes, about. Yes, of course. I hate his behavior, but the performance and just thinking about how these people are in mm-hmm. this room, you're mesmerized by this. How can this even be? You know, like a lot of actors, a ton of them, I mean, more than we'd think, don't like doing these kinds of characters. I, I can see why, you because know? they don't want to be associated of course. as that person. Right. They, they, they don't want to play someone who's an idiot, and they don't want to play someone who is, mm-hmm. a, a, like, a, a, I mean, Tom Cruise is the biggest movie star in the world, mm-hmm. and here he is in a movie, and, and I mean, just, just saying a bunch of really hateful trash mm-hmm. about all women. Exactly. You know? Who was it in Happiness? Uh, Dylan Baker. Dylan Baker. Yeah. Yeah. He did that character in that movie where he's a a child molester. Of course. That affected his career. He couldn't get movies after that. Because he's not Tom Cruise. That happened. Exactly. If if you're not, if you don't have that much, like... Um, behind you already, and mm-hmm. and you're not you're not the actual king of Hollywood. You can't do this kind of stuff. Exactly. You know. <laughs> oh man. Um. So during this interview, his demeanor changes, and you can see he's his armor is being chipped away at. Yeah. And like just Tom Cruise does these subtle things with his body language, like looking to the side with his eyes, or like scratching his face or something where like, you know, he's starting to get uncomfortable uh-huh. and he knows that she knows what's up, but he keeps trying to twist it back around and fix it. And, and he, he just can't do it. Ultimately he's been cornered. Mm-hmm. So he just stops talking and he stares at her and she asks him what he's doing. And he says, I'm quietly judging you. And then for the rest of the interview, he just sits there like that. Sitting there, like, just staring at her like he's going to kill her. Yep. Um, and then what he does at the end, she's like, that's what she did. That's what she did. You're just going to sit there. And he, like, gets up to her, and he's not in frame anymore. Yep. He stood up, so she's still sitting there, and his, like, torso was out of frame. And he's talking down to her, like, right against her. And he doesn't hit her or anything, but he's trying to intimidate her, and then he calls her a bitch. Yep. Like, and his face comes down and is like right next to her face, and that is like some scary stuff. He does like like yeah. what a, what a dog would do, you know? Yeah, like, it's like he's about to nip at yeah, her. Yeah, he snaps at her yeah. a little bit, and it's like if his if his guys weren't in the room, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and and it, and it wasn't like a a, a well known journalist. What mm-hmm. would he have done to this person? I mean, he is he has been completely uh, his reputation is now on the line. Yep, and. The idea that that if you're going to be this person and you, this is what you're going to do for a living, mm-hmm. and then uh, you you can't let it out that you took care of your sick mother. Yeah, that's stupid. I why, mean, like why? like why why would that ever affect you know? I know why can't he just have that be what his life was and now he's this right? Use it in your material. Yeah, put Say, it in look, your act. Look what I was. Uh-huh. Look at me now. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Come on, that's yeah. nothing to be ashamed of. I don't know, but the the other character is. Jason Robards' character, it's his father, and he's dying of cancer. The great Jason Robards. we'll have mm-hmm. to get into it, uh, but I want to finish Tom Cruise real quick. Sure. Like, uh, when, so Philip Seymour Hoffman is the <laughs> nurse for Jason Robards. Uh-huh. And so, on as his, like, dying wish, he wants him to contact his son. So Philip, God, there's Philip Baker Hall and Phil, C, Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> so I'm trying to get him straight. We'll just say Hoffman. Hoffman yeah, yeah. calls up. The, like the hotline to get a hold of Frank TJ Mackey, and he actually gets through eventually. So, like after this interview has happened, his assistant's on the line 
with Hoffman. <laughs> and, <laughs> and now he finds this news like that his father's dying. So like everything's kind of crashing and falling apart right now. And I didn't make this realization, but like I think it was Amy Nicholson wrote in The Guardian or something. But uh-huh. like the only t- time we see him interacting with women, they both completely control him. Mm. In this interview, mm-hmm. he's he's done for. Yeah, he yeah. has no power in this. And then he's on the phone with his assistant, who's a female. Yep, and he yells like, "Do your fucking job!" And she's like, "I am doing my fucking job." Yes, talk to your dad and. And I mean, he's powerless against her. Like, he thinks he has all this power, but he doesn't. I hadn't thought of that, yeah. but yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, like Janet tells him off, uh-huh. you know, in a great way, and um, and she's not going to put up with like like just Frank denying her this thing because right. like she's also been briefed about what Philip Seymour Hoffman went through to mm-hmm. get through to her. She's like, I asked him all these questions, and yeah. he got he. This is for real, exactly. So, yeah. I mean, he called the seduce and destroy uh, <laughs> right. help like like order line from an right. ad in Hustler. Yep, and mm-hmm. he told the, the everybody you know what was going on, and he somehow got through to fifteen other people, and then got Frank Mackey's actual assistant. Uh huh. I mean, yeah, get on the phone and figure something out. Go go see your dad. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't even know about like like the the, the truth, right? You know yeah. that, that he's been lying all these years. She doesn't even know that he he's like you know, on the, on the outs with his father, but Mm -hmm. she's like, just telling him, Hey, this is the right thing to do. You shithead. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Um, but he has to go finish his seminar. Oh God. And he comes out. This is one of my favorite lines in the movies. He's like, how'd you guys like those nachos? (laughs) (laughs) I I love that too. (laughs) It's just so funny. But he like is able to just put this veneer right back on. Uh And there's one like moment here. You can see he's kind of flustered from everything that's happening. And he's like, uh, you know, you you can't control me. He's like just ranting, you yeah, know, whatever yeah. he does when he's doing these sermons. And he's like, you can't control me. What? You beat me as a kid and you're dying on me? Like, you can't control me. And it's actually him talking about himself. Yeah. But the audience can't tell this. But now that we know everything that's happened, it's kind of him like just he doesn't know how to deal with it. And it's just coming out as he's talking. Yes. And then he tells him to get out their blue book or whatever and turn to page 27 <laughs> And then he like is walking and pacing on the stage, and he he realizes the wrong book, and he's like, "Fucking!" He flips the table over, and says, "Like, get your white books, page twenty-seven." And he flips the table, and it's maybe it's because he get, said the wrong book, and he's all flustered because everything that's happened. But it also is because he's fucking pissed at his dad, yeah, and he's pissed at this interview, mm-hmm. and it's all coming out. Everything is falling apart for him in that moment. Mm-hmm. And when he flips that table, yeah, it is the culmination of just everything going wrong. Mm-hmm. And he has a real triumphant, you know, like manly moment and says, I will not apologize for who I am. Yes. Yep, exactly. And he will not apologize for what he needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, of course, his, his, I'm sorry, his legions are, are just, you know, like, like, a, yeah, yeah, you, know? you need that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Everything. Give me sex. Mm hmm. All of it. I want every woman. I want to have sex with everybody all the time. Yep. But what he's talking about is his relationship with his family. Because he's such a sad and pathetic person. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like all the, this, this sheen of like he's got this really uh, amazing Italian leather vest uh-huh. over his over his button up shirt. I think shirt. that vest is alive, man. I that know is that like thing pure is still... <laughs> cow. God, man, it's veal he's wearing on his on his chest. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's Kobe Veal. Yes, absolutely, dude. I mean, like nothing but the best for T Mackey. Um, and <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. and and yep. then you know, like if, eventually he comes to his senses, and uh, mm-hmm. I guess, my God, you want to talk about Jason Robards now? Yes, let's do it. All right. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, Jason Robards is dying of lung cancer, mm-hmm. and he is like being tended to in his home. By you know an, uh, a nurse who just doesn't live there but is always with him, and he seems very caring. Actually. Yes, yeah. It, Philip Seymour Hoffman, like this is the nicest person he's ever played. Yeah, you know, I think so. Like the most yeah. uncomplicated, you know, and just regular dude, just a genuine loving person. Yes, yeah. I mean, like, there's a lot of sweetness in this movie. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. a ton of it all the time. But like these moments between these two guys, I mean, like even when Jason Robards has moments where he kind of attacks. Uh, Philip Seymour yeah. Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Um, Hoffman never like takes mm-hmm. the bait. Yep. He, he just kind of like it, it, you know understands this is a sick man who's dying, and he has a job to do, which is to minister to this person. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I love the scenes between the two of them. You know, I do too. They're so good. Just when they're talking, and uh, the one where he tells him you know to go fuck himself or whatever. Like yeah. that's a really funny, like <laughs> heartwarming scene almost. Like and. It just kind of hit me now, like, that should be, you know, Tom Cruise should be there at his bedside, you know? Of course. Not Philip Seymour Hoffman. Of like, course. that's how it should be. But it's it's not. Because, I mean, like, like they're, they're estranged from one another. Mm-hmm. They haven't seen each other probably since since Tom Cruise was a kid. We find out a lot of what's happened uh, with Julianne Moore's character, yeah. Linda, who is... Uh, Jason, Jason Robard's wife, mm-hmm. like second or third wife or yeah, something. Trophy like that. Wife. Yeah, trophy mm-hmm. wife. And and she even says, you know, she originally married him just for his money, and now she's actually in love with him and all that stuff. But yeah. She says, like, you know, the family is just them two. What is his name? John or James? TJ Mackey? Like his real Jack. name is Jack. Okay. Yeah, Jack Partridge. Like Jack is not a part of the family. Yep. So Philip yep. Seymour Hoffman gets a slap for that. And okay, can we talk about that scene in particular? Because it's like, uh-huh. so Julianne Moore throughout the day has been like, you know, running errands and just like seeing lawyers and, and talking to doctors and everything. Mm-hmm. And she's very frantic and she's, uh, you know, doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And when she gets home is when she sees Philip Seymour Hoffman on the phone on hold with Janet, uh-huh. uh, Frank's assistant. Mm-hmm. And he is excitedly telling her, you know, like, I got him. I've I got, got him. him. I've got, I've got uh, Earl's son. Mm-hmm. I, I've got Jack. And uh, her reaction is not the what what he was expecting. Right. She starts slapping him and mm-hmm. yelling at him, mm-hmm. and um, she hangs up the phone um, and and says, you know, it, it's it's a weird thing of like I don't know what Earl told Linda Julianne Moore's character about Jack. What what, what does she know about this this estranged son who she's never met? I feel like she might have met him before. Okay. Because when he comes over mm-hmm. near the end of the second act i guess yeah he he says is linda here oh yeah or like right. i think he calls her the c word or, or is that c word there yeah yeah or something yeah. like that uh-huh. and then right. philip seymour hoffman says linda yeah <laughs> like, you're yeah. right you're right you're right uh-huh. <laughs> oh god okay so they do have some they, kind they of they might have met who knows i don't know do you think that they had an affair i hope not i i hope not but i mean because we know she was sleeping around on him yeah but I didn't. I don't get any hints that that was happening. Okay, I I haven't. Did, did you? I it, or did it, that it just pop in your it head? It only right just now? occurred to me while okay. sitting here. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past those people. No, you're right. But I don't think 
Frank would do that because of how much he hates his father. Okay. And he wants nothing to do with him or Linda or anything. Right. So I, I don't think he would do that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we don't know. Right. Yeah, he's not <laughs> Philip Baker Hall. So. <laughs> oh, God, you're right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we've got like a hundred more characters to get uh-huh. to, which yeah. is ridiculous. I know. I know. But yeah, uh, <laughs> when he, like the scene when she slaps it out of his hand, the phone, and mm-hmm. she's going off on him like, we're the family. Never allow him here. Yeah. And he's like, well, he told me to do it. And he really did. He really said something about wanting to talk to him and atone for things, you right. know? Earl made a speech about like, uh-huh. you know, he, he, cause, cause Phil didn't even know that Earl had a son. Uh huh. Yeah. And when he reveals who it is, he's like, that's your son, mm-hmm. the guy from TV. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I like the joke where he's ordering a delivery of like bread, he's peanut butter. Pink dot, and right. he's like, oh, you got Playboy? Okay. How about Hustler? <laughs> okay. All right. And then the lady on the phone's like, do you still want the bread? <laughs> And it's kind of this gag. Fair question. It's kind of this gag where you're like, dude, he's just going to like jerk off while this guy dies? <laughs> but that's not what happened. He gets those magazines so he can find a hotline yeah. for the thing. Uh-huh. Uh, and then get a hold of his son. <laughs> it's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. How many people call and order that? I know. And then they, they, really, that, they really want all that stuff. Yeah. It's just so they don't look like some kind of horn dog perv. But I mean, but it's obvious anyway. I know. So, it's actually, so why do you care? I mean, you know, just. If, uh. if you buy as many porno mags as grocery items, <laughs> there's something up, you know. I mean, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's funny. That's. Uh-huh. That has nothing to do with anything. It's but, fine. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, but then she comes in and yells at him. And, you know, a, a scene later or two, he's like, she apologizes to him. And Philip Seymour Hoffman is amazing here. He's yeah. just like kind of standing there crying, like whimpering because he's been hit for doing nothing wrong. And he's just still kind of understanding of her, uh, even though his feelings have been hurt and all this stuff. Um I think it's great the way he responds to this and he responds to the apology. It shows you Philip Seymour Hoffman. I mean, we all know what a great actor he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the greatest actors yes. who ever lived. Mm-hmm. And one of the hallmarks of being a great actor is being able to give a great performance while saying nothing. Mm-hmm. Him reacting to what Julianne Moore is saying, he's he's not waiting to speak. He's not remembering his lines. He's letting what she says affect him mm-hmm. as the character. And in that moment, he he had a, an ability, unlike a lot of actors before or after him, mm-hmm. to like reality in almost a scary way. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's almost uncanny valley. Like this is how a person would react. Mm-hmm. A, a, a really, really sensitive person right. would stand there and have this pasted smile on their face while their eyes are still moist from tears mm-hmm. and he's got his, he's got his arms. Yeah. Like, he's like a crossing his chest yes. with them. Cause he's maybe he's scared or, and maybe he's ashamed. Uh-huh. Maybe he's sorry. He didn't know all of those things. Yeah. And this is all being communicated from Philip Seymour Hoffman standing there and saying nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> he, he was, he was a talent. Yes. And he, he was like Paul Thomas Anderson's muse, man. Of course he was, dynamite with him mm-hmm. uh and you couldn't miss i mean he was in his first three films mm-hmm. his first four films excuse me yeah punch drunk love yeah wow yeah. yes 
He's clearly it, his favorite actor. He was in five of his movies. Yeah. Yes. He's clearly a lot of people's favorite actor. Of course. He's a, oh, God. Because how can you go wrong? He, he, he truly is. I mean, like, he's just understood his craft. Mm-hmm. And, he, and it's not just, like, as a technician either. I mm-hmm. mean, he, he knew how to make it emotional. I'll tell you what, man. And it doesn't matter what he's doing. Paul Thomas Anderson stuff, Capote, or fucking Twister, man. I know. He's, like, the most memorable part of most of these things. You can't take your eyes off this <laughs> yeah. guy because he's the best. <laughs> Dynamite. Yep. <laughs> um, so then... Tom Cruise apologize. He doesn't apologize to his dad, but Jason Robards dying there, and he's he's taking this liquid morphine, so he can't even talk or respond really. Mm-hmm. And Frank T.J. Mackey is sitting there, and this is a, one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah, he he walks in the room. Uh, the the camera's kind of right next to Jason Robards' head uh, on the bedside, and you see Tom Cruise walk in the distance into the room, and Philip Seymour Hoffman's behind him. And Tom Cruise just starts talking to him like, you know, I hate you. I hope you fucking die. I hope it hurts. All yep. this stuff. She had to go through all this pain. And I hope you fucking feel it too. Mm-hmm. And the, as he's saying these things, he's also, his body language and everything, his face, you can tell he's not believing what he's saying. Right. Like he doesn't want his dad to hurt, even though he's saying he does. He doesn't want to apologize to his dad or accept his dad's apology, but he does. Uh, what he's saying is contradicting what his body is doing. He even says, I'm not going to cry for you, motherfucker, or whatever he says. And that tear comes out of his eye. It's when he starts crying. Yes. It's, it's so good. He's, as he gets more and more vicious with what he's saying, mm-hmm. is when he starts to bawl. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's getting real up close to, to, to Jason Robard's face. Uh-huh. And he's, like, he's just seething with rage, mm-hmm. but he's also starting to cry. And he's holding his hands, like clasping his hands yep. together as if he's trying to not punch his father. Yep. Yeah. It's really, really good. And even when he finally <laughs> does break down and he's actually crying and he's like, like just letting every, every, you know, all this pent up 20 years of whatever out, he's still like saying, mm-hmm. I hate you. I love you. I hate you. I love I me. Mean, like he mm-hmm. can't even decide what he actually is feeling like, like, I mean, no matter <sighs> what this guy did to him. And did to his mother, he's like, in this moment, he actually is becoming a human being. Yep. You know, for the first time in forever, because there's not a bunch of, you know, like screaming assholes cheering him on. Yep. And like, this is the source of his anger, like his father leaving him and abandoning him and his mother. Yep. So why is this guy like his whole life, his whole persona, his business is like hating women. Yeah. It's so odd that he's turned it into that instead of you know, hating assholes. I don't know. Precisely. It's weird. Yes. I don't know. Like, like, like what, why isn't your, uh, why isn't your motivational speaking, speaking career about like how to get past an emotionally and physically neglectful father, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's, instead of this other thing. I mean, like, I, I know that that, that that doesn't make money and that, and that that well, doesn't yeah, get yeah, you laid. Right. Well, because he looks like Tom Cruise, he True. probably always had luck with ladies. Of course. So, of course. He's he's channeled his anger into something else. Yep. You know, and it, it's been redirected into something positive for him financially. Mm-hmm. And but it's a terrible thing. <laughs> yeah. And he couldn't I don't know. He probably needs to feel strong, powerful, in control. That's why he's trying to control the women, sure. quote unquote. Because he has no control of what his father did. I mean, he can't control what happened to him. So that, he, that's why he's doing this. You're right. I mean, it's just he monetized his good looks. 
There you go. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and if you're lucky enough to do so, I guess, as long as you don't do Seduce and Destroy, uh-huh. I'll, 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 I'll support you. And we've talked 40 minutes on one character. Yeah. We did his arc. That's kind of how I think we need to do this. Yeah. Because the editing of this movie, the, the, just talking about the technical stuff in this movie will take a whole episode. Of course I mean, it will. Just, <laughs> I know. <laughs> the editing and the pacing and the camera work, the music, everything in this movie just works perfectly together. And we follow about a dozen different stories all intertwined. And yeah, it could be hard to follow maybe a little bit, but it's not that hard. No. It's pretty seamless and it's interesting. And if you find it hard to follow or, you know, um, are not interested by it, mm-hmm. I really want to know why. I, w- I think, well, the first time I watched this movie, I was thinking, all right, so... I was like, had my eyes peeled for, all right, when are these kind of coincidences going to happen? When are these collisions like mm. going to happen? Mm-hmm. And they don't. Right. Like we said earlier, like everything just is kind of very loosely connected, but has nothing to do with anything else, really. So if you don't watch for these things, like it'll be better. Yes. It'll be way better. Just let it flow over you and experience what's happening. And then you can watch it again and try to pick things out. Sure. Uh but this movie, you could just lay back and just three hours go right by. <laughs> we've we've talked about last week. I know when movies should not be three hours long. In this case, I mean, like something was inside Paul Thomas Anderson when mm-hmm. he sat down to, to to form this screenplay, and and it's interesting how he started out with like, oh, this is just going to be kind of a trifle, you know. After I did Boogie Nights, this sort of sweeping epic, I'm right. going to do something small scale, and it just sort of like kind of grew from right. there, and he just started writing all this in like his. In his mind, I mean, there was all these people, and oh, mm-hmm. then this person does this. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you get to make this movie after you make Boogie Nights. Yes, and you know? I think he got final cut. He did for this movie without even showing a script, like because Boogie Nights was such a hit. Yeah, and his talents had already been like galvanized. Of course, like, you're like this guy is the future, man. Yep, let's let him do whatever he wants. <laughs> and you know, so a three hour movie. With 50 stars and the craziest <laughs> ending that no one would ever let you do. And it's going to be rated R. Yeah, exactly. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and, and you're just going to have to let me do this. Yeah. And, you know, like <laughs> a lot of respect has to go to those people like that made those decisions at New Line because like they did see the future. And mm-hmm. like he truly has become, you know, maybe America's greatest filmmaker. Yeah, of, it, of at least, you know, the last of the 2000s. Yes. I mean, he started in the 90s. Right. But yeah, this... This century, yep. he is the greatest American filmmaker. That's right. He has to be. Yep. Um, so, god damn. Yeah. This movie's so good. <laughs> I know. What character were we going to go to now? Okay, so uh, we, 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 talk, we, we talked about Julianne Moore and Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh-huh. Jason Robards, and Tom Cruise. Okay. I guess we can focus a little bit on... Um, I, we started out with John C. Riley. Wow, um, we did mention him. Yes. Okay, yeah. And <laughs> what, we, what we find out, in, in addition to him, like... He's got some narration where he's mm-hmm. like uh, calling into a dating service. And, yeah, yeah. His, and we're, you know. We're listening to his like voicemail from yes. the dating service. Yes. Yeah. And we, we found out he's he's a lonely guy and he just wants to meet a nice a nice girl. And he comes across. Who doesn't um, swear. Who he's he's very he's very moral. We see him praying. He's got like a cross on the wall. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, and 
he finally comes across uh, Claudia, played by Melora Walters. Mm-hmm. And um, she is, there was a call that there was a disturbance in her apartment. Mm-hmm. It turns out she's just playing the radio really loud, and she had been yelling at her father previously. Yeah, yeah. Philip Baker Hall showed up mm-hmm. to tell her that he had cancer yeah. and he's dying. And basically her end of the conversation was, why are you here? Get the fuck out. That's all she really says the whole time they're talking. And we don't know why yeah. she's saying this, but we have uh, we have our suspicions. We have a little bit of suspicions, and I think that's partly because of her performance. Yeah. Kind of the f- fear she has a little bit of him. Right. Uh, is what gives it away. And just her constant insistence of getting out. Like, yeah, maybe he's an asshole. Maybe this yeah. happens, but... The sense you get is maybe he did something to her. Right. That's what I felt the first time I saw the movie. So, and it was still there, the, watching it again. So, right. uh, but yeah, all the yelling, and then uh, she's playing her radio loud, and she's doing coke. Yeah, lots of coke, man. She's never not doing coke. No. I mean, like when we see her most of the time, she is always blowing rails there's, in that apartment. Yeah, there's one time she's not doing coke, and it's because John C. Riley's there, <laughs> and she's just <laughs> wanting to do coke the whole time. Uh huh. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and when she finally does let him in the apartment, he's very cop about it, and he's like telling her that the, her her music is too loud, <laughs> yeah. and she's going to damage her ears. And he's condescending. Yes, because yeah. he's like he's talking to a child. Your music's loud. Uh huh. Your neighbors will be disturbed. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, we all know this, dude. He, he, he just, he, exactly. I mean, like that, that, that's really the flaw of his uh-huh. character is that, is that like, he is a very nice man, but he's also way too paternalistic and he, he really kind of, you know, I think that's why he's the cop too, yeah. because he has authority now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, amazingly, because there's this instant attraction between them, they have tea together after they've gotten the official business out of the way. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about this. If I don't know if it's actually genuine, because mm. I can't tell if it's because she's on coke and something's going on with her, mm-hmm. or if she actually is kind of into him for some reason, or if she just goes with the flow all the time. I have no clue what's going on. I'm glad you brought that up yeah. because the first time I saw it, I felt the same way. Like, mm-hmm. like, does she really want him in in her apartment right now? Yeah, um, yeah. But then when they sit down at the table in the kitchen and she's doing like the, the, the TMJ thing uh-huh. and yeah, showing the, him the clicking jaw. Yeah. I don't know. Tiny little thing. I don't know if that would be enough for her to be like, okay, let's go. When they had this conversation is when I started to feel that they, about their chemistry. Like I, I was like, okay, so she does kind of like, it. I agree. Like that's, you, know? you do get that sense, but up to this point, it's kind of like, I felt like she wanted him to get out. She's trying to get rid of him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's kind of what, but because he's imposing and mm-hmm. wanting coffee and all this. Then, right. Then she's like, okay, okay. Cause yep. she doesn't want any trouble. Uh, but then this happens and you get that sense that maybe she does like him a little and then he has to leave. And she, when, when she closes the door behind him, she's like, puts her forehead against the door and is like waiting. She's got her hand on the, the door knob mm-hmm. and she's like kind of, uh, like agonizing over something. Mm-hmm. Like she, she's still thinking about what their encounter mm-hmm. and then his radio goes off because he's still standing because he's there. still standing on the stair, you know, uh-huh. on the landing. And she realizes, Oh, he's hanging out. He's still there. He's yeah. d- deciding whether or not he should come ask me out. And so he knocks on the door. She mm-hmm. immediately opens it up and he just goes, Oh, you know, <laughs> I think, I think she opens it real fast and goes, what do you want? Yeah. She <laughs> <laughs> exactly. says something really odd. Yes. <laughs> yep. And but he, the, but then know, he, he said, he, yeah, he's like, I, I didn't want to do it because I felt like it was weird because I was a cop or whatever. 
but we go out and she's like yes like right away yep like tonight yeah okay she, she's all she's all speeded up man oh yeah yeah she's totally i mean she's out of her head on mm-hmm. this stuff and mm-hmm. and and i think he knows it of course but he really likes her because she's you know she's malora walter she's very she's very attractive and 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 fun to be around do you think he knows it or I, uh, I felt he was oblivious. Okay, yeah, he he might maybe he is like a little bit naive. I think he's in over uh, his head as a cop. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe he could, but no, but yeah. because then if he knew she was doing drugs, he wouldn't have asked her out. Because this guy can't even stand someone who says the word crap. You know, you're right. That's true. I don't um, know. But I, but how could you? I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to like put my my. If if I observed someone behaving like Melora Walters is in this scene, I would mm-hmm. go, "Oh man, yeah, she she's really, uh, she, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, yeah." Um. So yeah, then they go out, and like the way he deals with her swearing and people saying bad words is like he's like, "Wow, you got some strong language." Like it's kind of like, uh, it's this passive aggressiveness again. Yes. Like oh wow, like yeah. he's offended. Like. The way he says it is like, I cannot believe you intentionally offended me. Yeah, it's, it, it is so backwards I know. how he's saying these things. And you're so <laughs> pissed off at him. I know. I'm like, I hate you. Fuck you. Go yeah, fuck yourself. Exactly. <laughs> so so this, this person said two words that were, that were not offensive, and you're acting like you're, I mean. You're acting like they just stabbed you. I know. <laughs> and, 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 you know, to his credit, of course, he, he realizes what he's doing and, yeah. he, and he's like, oh no, no, I didn't mean anything by it. And when she kind of starts pleading with him and, and pouring her heart out, mm-hmm. um, he says, listen, uh, Claudia, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna judge you. And, 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 you know, I know I can do that sometimes yes. he says, and, and I'll, I'll try really hard not to. It's like, he's gr- like his growth in the movie, his yeah. character arc mm-hmm. is that he is learning to not be such a a straight arrow all the time yeah. and maybe understand that like people in the world have problems mm-hmm. and that he can't uh, like, even if he can't comprehend them, maybe they right. have a different experience than he does. Right. And she even says to him, like, you look like you're all together. Everything's perfect. And I don't know what you have any interest in me for. Mm-hmm. I'm a mess. Right. And then he says, well, I lost my gun and uh, I'm completely embarrassed about it. And I'm the laughing stock of the force now and yep. whatever. And when he says that, I, it is kind of like comforting to her to hear him say he's not perfect. But I got the sense that he was maybe a little bit like saying it for selfish reasons too. I don't know. Really? Like he was impressing her. Like he thought he was impressive because of that. I don't know. Do you do you not care for Jim? I don't like him too much. Okay. No, I don't really like that character. All right. I mean, it's a good character. Yeah, I like the character. Right. Good performance. If I met Jim as a person, I would not want to be hanging out with this guy at all. Okay, yeah, fair enough. I wouldn't right. want to talk to him. I wouldn't want to be near him. <laughs> okay, no, <laughs> that, that makes sense. I, I, I felt, I felt I similarly do, with TJ Mackey. I wouldn't want to talk to him either. No, so, of course, for yeah. different reasons. Yeah. Yes, they're just not your kind of guy. Exactly. Um, they're not my dudes, man. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I felt that way too for a long time, but now, like in the most recent viewings of it, mm-hmm. I've, I've kind of softened on okay. Jim. Cool. Um, I, I just. He, just because he he does grow a little bit, he does grow a little bit, and he is really kind of an innocent person. Like, yes, and I think he might not even realize the things he does. So mm-hmm. he's not respecting the cock, you know. Of course, he, he right. is just you know I'm just going to do my job. I'm going to be nice and yep. blah blah blah. Yeah, that's it. Right. All right. <sighs> yeah. Um, um. So they kind of do they fight? What happens with their so, relationship? 
after he says, after he admits that he lost his gun and he, and then he feels like a fool and she like kind of thanks him for, for, for showing that side of himself. Um, that's when she starts talking about how she's such a mess and everything. And she out of nowhere says, do you want to kiss me, Jim? Uh huh. And he says, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. And there's, the, the, they kiss across the table. Uh huh. And then she says to him, mm-hmm. uh, I remember the line because it's the opening line of an actual Amy Mann song. Okay. Yeah. Um, she says, now that I've met you, would you object to never seeing each other again? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She can't take it. Yep. You know, this is, this is too much. She can't reveal this about herself and she tries to leave and he's like, well, no, Claudia, Hey, I, I, I we just talked about this. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And she goes, no, I, I got to go. And she leaves the restaurant. Yep. So it's not even a fight. It's just like she can't handle the intimacy. Right. She's not ready for this. Right. And then at the end of the very end of the movie is the final shot is on her. And John C. Riley is there talking to her in her apartment and her mom's there. And mm-hmm. this is after the frog rain, which we'll have to get to at, at some point. Of course we will. Um, how can you talk about Magnolia without the frog it, rain? It's, yes. But, uh, <laughs> but you can kind of hear what he's saying. It's kind of muffled out because the movie's ending, mm-hmm. but you can hear him kind of saying, you know, I'll be good to you, and I promise I'm going to listen to you, and that's what we were talking about. I'm not going to leave. Like, even though you had to run off, that's fine, you know? And she's kind of sitting there, and the camera's pushing in towards her, and she's kind of smiling and can't believe this guy's here saying this nice stuff to her. And she looks right at the camera, actually, and is smiling, <laughs> which is a good final shot. <laughs> and, and that's it. <laughs> this is my favorite music cue in any movie. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, that's an amazing song that's playing. Um, it's another Amy Mann, you know, she's done, she's in this movie all over. Yes. Yeah. But, um, and it's a very sweetly written and acted scene. Mm-hmm. And when Melora Walters spikes the camera and that note hits mm-hmm. like, and it's just like her smiling, mm-hmm. this is why movies are my favorite thing in life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it just <laughs> it's is so good. It, it's, it, it was so perfect. And it, and like, you understand not just that Paul Thomas Anderson can make great movies, but that he totally understands film language and audience reactions. And he was 28 when he made this. Because he's a wunderkind, man. Yes, dude. I mean, it's just, uh, he, <laughs> yes. he is. God. <laughs> yeah. It's it's great. It is. I, I, I'm kind of flustered right now. I have no words. I know. That the, that's the end of the movie, and we still have to talk about 90% of it still. <laughs> right. Um. <laughs> and I guess we, you know, we, we just talked about, like, Jim and Claudia, and related to that is Jimmy and Rose and Stanley. Uh-huh. You yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Jimmy Gator. Jimmy Gator. I yeah. love his name in what this up, movie. What up? What up? What an awesome name. Um, That's Philip Baker Hall, who is just, he's great in this movie. I said Philip Seymour Hoffman is probably Tom, Paul Thomas Anderson's favorite actor. His actual favorite actor is Philip Baker Hall. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in this, Boogie Nights, yeah. Hard Eight. Uh, was he after this? He wrote he, he wrote Hard Eight for um, for Philip Baker Hall. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, uh, yeah, and as far as like his his movies after this, mm-hmm. I don't remember him being I in can't other remember. films. But he he wrote it specifically for that. He he met Philip yeah. Baker Hall when he was a production assistant on an after school special, uh-huh. and he said, "I want to make that guy a movie star." Uh huh. And he, dude, yeah, d- he did it. This guy's got it. Yep. Um, <laughs> so he plays kind of the the quiz show host of this this stupid. He's, what kids, do kids know? What do kids know? TV an Earl show. Partridge production. Big Earl Partridge. That, excuse me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So, <laughs> so we have already talked about his relationship. 
with his daughter Claudia mm-hmm. and how we thought maybe something bad happened there. Yeah. Um, in the movie, we find out he has cancer. He confesses it to her. That's like right towards the beginning. And uh, we follow him around. He's got cancer. He's dealing with it. He has to host the game show. And most of the like first half of the movie is leading up to the – is showing the game show happening. Mm-hmm. And Stanley's a contestant, and he's like the biggest contestant ever. He's going to break the record yes. for most wins and all this stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and Jimmy Gator has just fought with his daughter – He's going to die in two weeks or whatever, and nobody knows. He's mm-hmm. just like, I got to keep drinking. His wife calls him, and he's talking to her, and yep. she's like, well, how are you doing? He's like, I got a lot more drinking to do. <sighs> and then, then he starts you know, hitting the scotch harder. <laughs> and, and his poor wife, uh-huh. uh, Rose, played uh, by Melinda Dillon. Mm-hmm. Um, and here she is. She is the quintessential long-suffering showbiz oh, wife. Oh, man. Yep. This guy who, like... He's presented, we see like a, a montage of like his television appearances. There's like a special about, you know, like, and he's been on for 30 years, mm-hmm. you know, Jimmy Gator, an institution. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's on entertainment tonight being interviewed. Have I been on the air that long? And they're, they're, <laughs> they're talking about his accomplishments and he's got a grandchildren. And then they show Philip Baker Hall, like plowing this woman, uh-huh. like the, who's not his wife. Yes, exactly. Um, and... I think that that like Rose has some idea of of him being a philanderer. I think she does too. She even says she kind of kind of knew. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she has not only put up with it, but she truly is devoted to him. Even in in this time where she, like, she has no reason other than just like being a kind person to care for this man while he's dying. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and then she is. She's like she's like getting him a dry shirt and she's like giving him a cigarette mm-hmm. and she's making him a nice drink mm-hmm. and she wants to sit there and she calls him you know you're my handsome man mm-hmm. you she, know yep he says do you love me and she smiles you're my handsome man man mm-hmm. what well, well, I mean she she's awesome mm-hmm. she has no reason to be but she is yeah because he's probably treated her like crap the last 30 40 50 years and and done it in in that that passive aggressive way that we talked about like where she, maybe he's not yelling and he's not screaming he's just like not coming home there's a theme throughout all these characters actually there is this passive aggressiveness yep uh i never noticed that before but just yeah. like creating dysfunction and abuse mm-hmm. with with neglect mm-hmm. you know yeah and so uh, he, there's the big scene. He, he's hosting the game show and he's drunk, which I don't think has anything to do with it, but I think that's hilarious. <laughs> yes. And his assistant is like, you're going to read the cards. He's like, it's the same fucking questions. I've been doing it for 30 years, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Cause he's also like, a, yeah. yeah, he's an old time showbiz veteran. Too. Yeah. Uh huh. So he goes out there and he's doing the show and you can see. I'm guessing the cancer is affecting him. Yes. And maybe the alcohol is helping it too, but <laughs> he he essentially has almost a heart attack on stage and right. he passes out and falls over on live TV. And he's talking he's doing the questions and he starts like saying the wrong things and he's stammering and it keeps kind of building up over time and it climaxes with him with a question about Chopin. Yeah. And uh, he gives the answer to the question. And he's just rambling. And he's like, "Uh, oh, but you'll You'll figure it out and uh, play a little ditty and he give just us kinda, a, give us a yeah. Chopin ditty. Yeah, and he just and then he passes. He he just falls over. Yeah, 
And how awesome is Philip Baker Hall during this during this like rant here? It's, I mean, it's great. He's just like the, the camera's trained on him. It's one take. Mm-hmm. He's he's doing this dialogue that is very bizarre to say mm-hmm. because he's giving away the answer to the question, but he's doing it in a way that like he knows he's screwed. He knows that the audience like is seeing him kind of break down. Right. But he keeps trying to like kind of like buy it back with like something else. And right, because he's this trained Hollywood not sure. big time game show host. Yeah. Know, he's been doing it for ages. He's, he he knows how to f- fix something and get it the commercial break, uh-huh. you know? He knows how to do that. To the point where like, you know, so Alex Trebek is is like the, he's been the host of Jeopardy for however many decades. Yeah, yeah. He's now the executive producer and he pretty much owns the place. I mean, like the whole all of Burbank belongs to this mm-hmm. one person. Uh-huh. That's what Jimmy Gator is. Uh-huh. So much so that when we see like his office, it's got like his face on it. I know Alex Trebek has that exact he's office. He's got to, yeah. You know. <laughs> um and here he is. He's losing it all. It's all just going up, you know, like like mm-hmm. here he goes. <sighs> Poor Jimmy Gator, man. Yeah. And during all this, we have poor Stanley, the 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 current Wunderkin yes. here, <laughs> the the new star of What Do Kids Know, uh-huh. you know, and uh, his overbearing father's in the back saying, "Why don't you answer these fucking questions?" Blah blah blah. Yeah. Blah. And then uh, Stanley had to go to the bathroom, and they wouldn't let him go. He told Felicity Huffman, "I gotta go." Piss. He said, "I have to go." Exactly. And because this is live TV, he can't get up and go. You yeah. Know? Uh, which kind of sucks, but uh, you should have went before you got there, Stanley. By the way, so fuck you. No, okay. I understand what it's like to have to pee, man. Yes, we all a, do. As a child, especially. Yes. yes. So, and all the pressure of the world is on this kid's shoulders, and that has to feel terrible. And then to be put in this position in front of what we seem like the entire world is watching this sure. show. <laughs> right. This is the end of Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Everyone is watching <laughs> What Do Kids Know That's right. on this night. That's right. <laughs> and <laughs> he ends up peeing his pants. And then they have to pick one of their kids to go up and represent the team in front of everybody. And he doesn't want to do it because he peed his pants. Yeah. And he says no. And he gives a speech about... You guys just, you know, think I'm funny and cute because I'm a kid and I'm smart and I know these things? Like, what the hell's wrong with you people? I'm made to feel like a freak because I answer questions. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, like like Jimmy Jimmy had said something about, like, all oh, these kids with their heads full of useless knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like, that part of Stanley's speech about made to feel like a freak because you answer questions. Mm-hmm. Have you ever um, had this in life where, like, maybe you're doing really well at trivia one night? Uh-huh. And people look at you like you're, you know, some kind of sideshow attraction. <laughs> Not really. Okay. But I know what it's like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It sucks. Like you're the one who's, everyone is deferring to you. They, the, the, the question gets asked mm-hmm. by the announcer mm-hmm. and when he puts a period on it, the whole table looks at you. Yeah. And um, you're like, okay. If I don't know this, uh, I'm going to be socially ostracized. Right. Because I've answered the first 20. But if you do know it, then you're a freak. Then you're still a freak. Yeah. You know? So what do you do? Uh, uh, pee yeah. your pants. And exactly. And be humiliated in front of the entire world. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, it, it sucks It's an impossible Stanley. situation. Yeah. And then they all, like, all, all the other kids want to, like, fist fight Louis Guzman, which is <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> the first time I saw the movie, I was disappointed that, that, like, Louis Guzman wasn't the one answering the questions. It was Mim and Todd. Yeah, exactly. But it, when I saw it now, like, on repeat viewings... I would never want to see Louis Guzman 
buzz in and say, that's A, D, and E. I have perfect pitch, you see. No, I want to hear him walking from backstage to the podium being like, I got everything baseball or sports, <laughs> you know. I can do football. Yeah. Like, it's just so funny what he says. You know, the, the, the only thing that would make Anything it fun- with numbers. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can do it all. Yeah. The only thing that would make it funnier and better is if, like, Louis Guzman actually does get to get to like throw right. Richard w- yes. into the in out into the street. You know, that would be great. If he actually like gets to Jazzy Jeff's this kid <laughs> who deserves like some kind of punishment for being such exactly. an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> so that all like climaxes together. And this is one of those moments like I said like you're you're expecting some kind of collision to happen, but yeah. it kind of really doesn't. Just right. like these events happen. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's not right. a big chain of events or anything. Exactly. Um and the music again at this part it's just like kind of prodding and just making you tense and you expecting something to happen. Yes. And it goes on for the the music doesn't stop for 10 minutes like this and you're like when is this going to pop? It's 40 minutes. Jesus. A 40 minute montage in yes. the middle of this movie. Yes. And it, and you're right. It is it is a constant refrain and you're like how how can they just keep this going? You're you're watching 32 short films about the San Fernando Valley here, you know? Somehow, this creates more anticipation than anything I've ever seen. Yes. You're you're waiting. White knuckle (laughs) anticipation for for that long. Mm -hmm. For for like the, the, what's supposed to be like, a movie usually has a saggy middle. (laughs) It doesn't. This one is just this high wire act from minute one. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I guess the only other person to really talk about is, uh, like, before we get to the end and some other stuff, is Quiz Kid Donnie Smith. Yeah, Donnie William Smith. William H. Macy's character. Uh-huh. So, back in the day, he was the the kid on the show who got all the answers right. Yes. Um, and he's now kind of destitute, and <laughs> he's broke. He his, his main gig is a salesman for some, like, Furniture store, it's a Solomon and Solomon, it's Solomon and Solomon's <laughs> Electronics. Alfred Molina plays Alfred Solomon. Alfred Molina by plays the way. Solomon. Solomon, yeah, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> um, and and uh, Donnie wants to get money so he can buy braces, so he can impress this bartender Brad, who also has braces, because he's in love with him, or he thinks he's in love with him. Yes, but uh, <laughs> so they fire him because he's like not making any sales. He's not paying them back the money they loaned them, so they fire them. Give he's me your coming keys. Coming in late. Yeah, coming in late. And he's like, yeah, you're paying me because I lent you my likeness. You know, like, <sighs> who cares about Donnie the Quiz Kid Smith? <laughs> 30 years later. Who cares about nobody? I lent you my celebrity. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. But but when, when we first see him in that, like, 15-minute intro or whatever. Yes. He crashes his car into the 7-Eleven, and then the first guy that runs up and looks at him, it's like, hey, you're Quiz Kid Dice. I know, I know. It's it's like he actually is, like, a well-known, he's a star. It's he so runs funny. this town. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's so messed up. But, uh, uh. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he, uh, winds up at the bar with Brad there. Uh-huh. And Henry Gibson is in the bar, everybody. <laughs> Playing Thurston Howell. That's his name? That Thurston is his name. <laughs> I mean, what the hell? And he... <laughs> so William H. Macy and Henry Gibson are having a war for Brad's affection. Yes. It's pretty good. And, <laughs> you know, I've always thought this. It's the only time, like, like Donnie is the only character who's who my reaction to hasn't changed from viewing one to viewing ten. Yeah. 
I've always gone, Donnie, <laughs> you need to snap out of this. Yes, you know, right. like, man, <laughs> being jealous of Henry Gibson, what are you doing? What, what, what's, what, what is your life? Exactly. I mean, I know he's rich, but I mean, Brad is not in love with this guy. And, and, you know, he's definitely not in love with you either. So, you know, maybe you want to like rethink your priorities or whatever. And, and he's thinking getting braces will make Brad love him. How do like, you think this? What kind of reasoning is this? And we, we found out like, he's not the guy he used to be. Like, apparently that lightning strike messed him up. Yeah. You know? Yeah, of course. His brain doesn't work. Like a normal person's brain anymore. Okay, yeah, that's true. Uh, so, and he's always drolling on about, you know, I have love to give, you know. Uh, why why can't I give it to people? You know, why won't they let me give it to them? And I don't know like where that. to put it. Like, I don't, that's a great spot. I don't yeah. know where to put it. Yeah. That's, a, that's the perfect way to phrase that. I really love that. <laughs> and like, he gets up and he starts talking to Brad. Like, I can love you, you know, please, I'll be good to you. You know, I'll be goddamn good for you, Brad. Yeah. And Henry Gibson's like, Brad, honey, waving a hundred, you know? Oh <laughs> God. <laughs> it's really good. I know. Like he, he's a really I'm, I'm sure he has lots of love to give to people. Yeah. But he just can't, like you said, he can't put it where it needs to go. You know? He doesn't know where to put he it. He can't figure it out. And I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him because I feel like he might be bringing this all on himself, mm -hmm. but I feel like it also something he can't really control. Yeah. Because he does have that brain damage, I guess. Right. Which, which is sad and tragic. And it's not something I'd ever considered, actually, until you brought up the, the, the lightning strike affecting his decision making. <laughs> Which we find out at the bar. Yes. Hey, aren't you Quiz Kid Donnie? Didn't you get hit by lightning? <laughs> and and the, the, But how would you recognize 50-year-old William H. Macy as the kid you saw on a game show 30 years ago? I don't know. It, they've got to have, like, he's got to have the same glasses or something maybe, maybe still because it, yeah. he's trying to still be the image of Quiz Kid, True. you know? He's dressed rather strangely. I mean, he's yeah. not like you, he's not yeah. wearing like 1999 clothing. He's got like a, a sports jacket with the sleeves pushed up. Mm -hmm. He's wearing like these red framed glasses that It's an odd look. Exactly. Dude. It's not a very flattering look for William H. Macy. No. And, and I dude, he he's great in this movie actually cuz this this performance is unlike anything else he's ever done, really. Right. It, it's I don't know. He he's he's a really weak person in yes. this movie. Like, so weak, he can't even help himself. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I've ever seen him like that. True. Like like this helpless. Like this helpless. Right. I've seen him be a bumbling idiot. Yes. I've seen him be a crazy dude. Like, mm -hmm. I've seen everything. But this is... He's almost still a child here. He is a child. Yeah, exactly. He's an arrested, like, mm -hmm. like 11-year-old. Mm -hmm. um, and his... After he finally, like wises up and decide well he he declares his love for brad then he leaves the bar after throwing up mm -hmm. and it turns out he like even though alfred molina asked him for those keys he made copies oh yeah he's got plenty of copies yes because he's a he's a fucking he's a snake actually <laughs> yes he is he 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 knew he would need these keys someday uh -huh. so he got them <laughs> which is i mean that, that the the premeditation there is mm -hmm. is is you know so he goes and he robs the safe at Solomon and Solomon's. So, <laughs> uh, and then as he's leaving, he accidentally breaks the key off the door because that's Donnie's luck. Donnie, you shithead! I mean, yeah. like, like what? What is what is the one dumbass thing you could do? Mm -hmm. And Donnie's gonna do it. Yep. You know. And then <laughs> John C. Riley is driving his car and sees him trying to climb up the telephone pole uh -huh. to like put the money back because he realizes he shouldn't do this. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And then that's when the frogs happen, I guess. 
Um, <laughs> is there anything else we need to talk about before we go that way? Okay, the, there is one other thing okay. I wanted to just touch on before the frog sequence. Is the uh, I want to know what your thoughts are okay. about the Amy Mann sing-along. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Thank you for asking, Dave. Yes. I love it. So do I. It might be my favorite thing in the movie. Excellent. Um, it's the one thing that I've never forgotten about this movie. Agreed. It's never left my mind. Mm-hmm. And I don't like singing. <laughs> I don't like that stuff. You're not a musical fan, I no, know. No, but this is so perfect. Yeah. And the lyrics are perfect, and they're spot on to what's happening. It's not going to stop till you wise up. Mm-hmm. So stop doing what you're doing, fix it, and then things will be better. Yeah. You know? And everyone in this movie is doing stuff they probably shouldn't be doing, and it's not the best thing for them. So stop it. Mm-hmm. Stop. Right. Um, it's great. And they're all singing. We see every character sing this song. It's a, a montage of them singing this with the camera work. The camera doesn't m- stop moving once in this movie, by the way. <laughs> no, I know. You're right. <laughs> like It does, but man, the movement is constant. Uh-huh. But yeah, I, I love this part. I think it starts beautifully too with like Melora Walters, like she she's just done some cocaine before her date with Jim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and she she's like feeling. She's bad listening about to it. the song in her apartment. is yes. kind of what it is. That's how it starts. Yeah, and then she starts singing along with it quite beautifully. Mm-hmm. Actually, mm-hmm. she's a pretty good singer. And then um, the the next lines of the songs are like they they just keep cutting to to all the other characters in the movie, and mm-hmm. they are. I never. I never thought I would see like some of these actors singing on camera yeah. before I saw this movie. Yeah. You know, um, they're just not known for that. Mm-hmm. And some of them are more accomplished than others at singing. Um, yeah. But like when I especially like Tom Cruise, I was going to say that. Yeah. I love it. Not only because I actually like his singing yeah. is good, but his character is the most unlikely to be singing this song. And he's just singing his heart out to like, you know, And you can tell Tom Cruise must have practiced this <laughs> yeah. a bunch because he hits every little nuance of the song. Yes. It, it's so good. I know that like Tom Cruise does that with just in acting like and yeah, it, he gets he gets overwhelmed. In yes. It, you know, he, he like when he when he fights someone in a movie, it's everything is written down. It's like it's the same thing like Macho Man Randy Savage used to do in matches. Oh, yeah. He, you he got wanted, those spots. Planned exactly. Out, yeah. You, you got you got to have this down. Um. <laughs> The way it ends too, the way that the way the the, the sing along mm-hmm. ends yeah. is is kind of awesome. With just Stanley, I do like the ending. Yeah, um, when he says "give up," it's a hopeless ending. Actually, I know. It, the song seems so hopeful until the last words. <laughs> it's not gonna stop till you wise up. So just give up. It's Ugh. it kind of sucks actually. It, it, I know, I know. It, it's 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 a very bleak message. When that happens, I'm like, oh my god, are they all gonna like kill themselves or right. something? Like, what's gonna happen, right. dude? That sucks. <laughs> yeah, I was just kind of happy for Tom Cruise, and oh, I think everyone's gonna die. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, dude, really good. So, what happens now is all of a sudden, big bullfrogs start raining from the sky. And the movie has kind of been framed throughout with like a little weather forecast. Mm-hmm. Like it pops up two or three times in the movie. Yes. Uh, and before this, I guess you'd call it the third act of this movie. Yeah. Is it says like rain clearing breezy overnight is yeah. what it says. Yeah. <laughs> breezy overnight. Uh-huh. That's key. Yep. So I guess the wind has blown these frogs in mm-hmm. and it rains must be a million frogs. 
It's a downpour of frogs for probably five to ten minutes over the whole city. And it's violent and gross. It is because it's, I doubt they're throwing real frogs off buildings no, no, here. No, of course not. But they look good. They look like real frogs. <laughs> I know. And they have real frogs kind of hopping around and yes. stuff too. But... Yes, mixed in with the toys. But I mean... like, talk about the most torrential downpour you've ever heard crashing into your roof. It sounds like that, but it's big frogs. The sound, man. The foley work on that. And the shot when it's at Jason Robard's house and the swimming pool Oh. It shows the camera like looking out the window yeah. of the swimming pool. The, the, the frogs just pouring down in this huge open backyard. It's it's insane. Everyone knows. Everyone can can probably like explain their feelings that they if they went into the movie not knowing this was in it. You I know. wish I could have. Okay, because I knew about the frogs. Okay, what about you? I didn't know. Okay, I mean I saw the movie in the theater and I and I okay just, good. I, I sat there just like. Not blinking for, you know, like 10 minutes going in disbelief. Yes. Cause I, and I wasn't like, I wasn't even thinking it wasn't a thing. Like, what am I seeing? I was just going like, like just watching the screen, like kind of trying to try to comprehend what, what this means. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what's the significance of this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't until like I saw it like three more times that I, that I understood what it was about. Mm-hmm. And even when I knew what the, uh, like purpose of it was, didn't care because the movie earns this kind of weirdness. Right. Did you spot like the Exodus 8-2 stuff? Not on the first view. Okay. Yeah, see, I I wish I didn't know that stuff okay. the first time I saw it. Okay. But uh going in, even knowing about that, it's still shocking to see it happen. Yes. And you don't know when it's going to happen actually, unless you've you know got spoilers up in your face. Of course. But John C. Riley's driving along the road and all of a sudden Splat! A jump scare, basically. It is a jump scare because it, it lands it, it, on his windshield. It scares you every time you see it because you don't really remember when this happened. It's so loud yes. and shocking the impact of this frog and John C. Riley screaming <gasps> when it happens, yeah. and then a couple more fall and hit the top of the metal car crash, and then it just starts pouring. It, it is shocking every time you see it. And when when William H Macy looks up into the air when he's crawling up that telephone pole. Mm, oh. <laughs> And the frog lands on his face, and he, and he falls pulled. off the pole, and he just, like, it's one of the most violent things you've ever seen. Like, like he curbs himself. He cracks his teeth on the pavement. And and they show it. I mean, like, like you see William H. Macy's face hit the pavement, like, teeth this is first. American History X style, exactly. right here, dude. Exactly. Ooh. Oh, it's really. Except it's a frog and instead just, of Edward Norton. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and there's frogs raining down. <laughs> exactly. So he got curbed by a frog. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and the irony of that is great because he wanted braces to get love. Oh my God. And now he's got no teeth and he's just a bloody mess. So the whole town's just getting rained. And uh-huh. Man, it's crazy. It is. It so, is nuts. Let's. So I mentioned Exodus 8-2. Yeah. It is in one translation. I got it here. Okay. If you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs on your whole country. Mm. So now we have to figure out what that means in relation to the movie. <laughs> Thank you, Paul Thomas Anderson. Yes. And throughout the film, too, um, you mentioned the little interstitials with the weather report. Yeah. It said 82% chance of rain. Oh, wow. That's great. Apparently, eights and twos are hidden throughout the whole movie. Well, you see, like, the, the guy in the crowd at the, the taping of the yes. quiz show has Exodus 8-2 written. 
there's like a bus stop with a, yep. a billboard that says it and uh-huh. all this stuff. So yeah. And it's the, sprinkled in. Of course. And apparently the guy that confiscates the Exodus 8-2 sign is Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always like that because I think about like some dude at like a wrestling show or of something. Of course. Like, no, you yeah, can't exactly. have that sign. You can't you know? say Scott is war. You <laughs> yeah. <know? laughs> um, so yeah, I, I don't know what it could mean. I mean, well, if you refuse to let them go. Let go of your regrets. Let go of your bad behaviors. Yeah, let 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 go of your um. Well, maybe maybe not let go of your regrets, or maybe uh try to forgive people. Like like yeah. try to like let the past go. Um, because these people haven't. Yes. So here's your fucking frogs. I right. told you I was gonna do this. <laughs> and they also won't let Stanley go to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they did not let him go. Literally, wouldn't let him go and to the bathroom. And that yeah. sign is in the What Do Kids Know audience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Felicity Huffman, you know, th- these frogs are on your hands. <laughs> God damn, that sucks. Her and Ricky J, it's they teamed fault, up. Man. Exactly. Yep. It's like, you know, that kid's not going to the bathroom. Oh, dude. But yeah, that that there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's just, just like, I mean, it's, it's one of the, it's, it's truly the most unexpected thing ever in a movie. I mean, like, I, I, can you say that, that, that like, it's not a twist. It's just something. No. Yeah. It's just the weirdest thing. Yeah. So it's, it's a Kubrick move, man. Of course. That's what it is. And you know, like Paul Thomas Anderson was working with Kubrick a little bit here, mm-hmm. uh, with the eyes wide shut going on yep. and Tom Cruise was involved in all this. So they, I know, I think he went and visited Kubrick on set at Eyes Wide Shut. And he showed Tom Cruise the Frank T.J. Mackey pages on the set of Eyes Wide Shut. And I think PTA was like astounded at how little was going on at this set. Uh Uh-huh. And felt so bad for himself. Like, I'm wasting money left and right. Like, (laughs) like, what the hell? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that's. He's definitely influenced a little. Yes. Which you could probably obviously say that from watching most of his movies. Of course. Actually, every filmmaker has probably been inspired by that man. So naturally. And I mean, like, like when you watch Robert Altman's film from films from the Mm seventies, I mean like the overlapping dialogue, the long Mm -hmm. takes, the ensemble casts, it's all there, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, uh, I think it is kind of an earned ending. Yes. Like it, it's, we've, we've been on this journey for almost three hours and this absurdity happens, which we wouldn't have got if he did not get that final cut on this movie. Oh, of course. I don't think they would have allowed something like this to happen at the end of this expensive production. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, good on you. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Jimmy Gator's confession of, to his wife. Yes. And it's not even a confession. Mm-hmm. It's a, I don't know. Right. Which is the worst thing you can say. I all because you're not even going to confess. You're not willing to. Do you think he knows or you think he's just saying that? Oh, I think he knows. I think he knows. So what we said before is maybe he touched his daughter. Yep. And his wife here, they're having a scene like we've we mentioned it where she says, you're my big, strong man or whatever Mm -hmm. the hell she says. My handsome man. Yeah. And he's like, all right, let's get it out of the way. I was cheating on you. And you might have known that, but I feel terrible. I'm sorry. And she says, yeah, I kind of knew that. I'm mad, but I'm not mad, but I am mad. Yeah. You know? And he's like, okay, good. Everything's clear now. And she says, I'm not done asking my questions. (laughs) In a fantastic delivery. uh, Melinda Dillon really knows that. Yeah. And then she brings it up. Did you touch her? And he's like, what? What are you talking about? 
It's like, you know what I'm talking about. Why is your relationship so bad? Did you touch her? And he's just like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think she thinks I may have molested her. Yeah. Yeah. That's disgusting. Mm-hmm. I think that she thinks that. Yeah. And Rose is kind of falling apart here. Like, you know this shit. Why won't you just admit it? I'm out of here. And she keeps saying it to him and he keeps saying, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I touched her. I don't know. Yeah, you do. How could yes, you, you do. Uh, How could you not know and, if you did? And if you didn't, why can't you just say you didn't? That's the thing. People who are molested don't misinterpret anything. Exactly. They, they always know that they were, mm-hmm. you know, abused. And if you really don't know what's happening, say more than, yes. I don't know. Explain the situation. I don't know. Here's what I did. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, God. In this moment, you want those frogs to bust his teeth out. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Ugh. And, uh, you know, God, what, what I, we already talked about, like, you know, Melinda Dillon playing, like, Rose being the definitely put-upon wife uh-huh. of a showbiz legend or whatever. Yeah. Always being, you know, like, neglected. In this case, it's like, so even that wasn't enough abuse to heap on me. Mm-hmm. Now you're now, now I find out that you've been abusing our daughter. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Um I could put up with the other stuff. I could put up with all the, the, the boozing and, and the, and the, you know, the late nights where you're not, where you're coming home smelling like another woman. Mm-hmm. And now that wasn't even enough for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a despicable man. Yeah. And you, it's two men, two older men, Philip Baker Hall and Jason Robards, both dying of cancer. Mm-hmm. One, but one, you're starting to sympathize because at the, at the end of their life, they're trying to put things right. Mm-hmm. Another guy is trying to also put things right, but he's also like, just like, oh, and by the way, I did this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have no sympathy for him. It kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of that, that reminded me, I looked up, I wanted to know why the movie's called Magnolia. Mm. I found out eating the bark of the magnolia tree was supposedly used to cure cancer. Wow. Yeah, isn't that something? Yes. That's pretty neat. Pretty. That's pretty damned awesome. <laughs> so know? the movie is named Magnolia. Okay. It's a cure for cancer. Okay. <laughs> Dude, that's... <laughs> and one thing I wanted to touch on is Jason Robard's kind of monologue over that montage oh, wow. about yeah. regrets. Yeah. It's the weirdest choice because I imagine he has footage of him delivering this Oscar-worthy monologue. Mm-hmm performance and it's not even in the movie just the audio is over other characters doing stuff Uh uh-huh what it's such an odd choice and i love it i do too and this i like there's a band called dream theater i'm a big fan of (laughs) yes of course they use this sample in one of their songs like jason robart's monologue yeah the goddamn regret and stuff like oh oh, god it's really great all right Uh, and the song is called honor thy father Okay. Yeah, it's pretty good. Well, damn, <laughs> dude, that that is awesome. Yeah, I had to bring that up. Uh huh. Um. So, dude, yeah, I'm good. I think I'm good. I the only other thing I wanted to say was that, like, you know, the, so we we already talked about the cast and everything, and how how you know we, we all know who's all in this movie. But um, Mary uh, Mary Lynn Rashkub. Oh uh, yeah. She plays Janet on the phone. And I know that like part of the marketing for the movie was like a couple months before it came out. Instead of releasing trailers, they released. A couple of like extended late night infomercials with Seduce and Destroy. No way, that's so cool. <laughs> so you're like watching video footage of Tom Cruise doing this stuff, and that's on the DVD as well. Yeah. Uh, just like you know, there's a, a number at the bottom of the screen, and oh man, uh, 
that I, if that I infomercial been, so funny. I know. <laughs> I wish I had been watching TV at this time, like at midnight, and just seeing this. Is that Tom Cruise? <laughs> My 12-step system will get her from being your friend to being your slave. That's Ugh. basically what he says. It's so stupid. You'll have any hard-bodied woman just <laughs> dripping to wet your duck. Hard-bodied blonde is oh, what he says. God. <laughs> Oh, he and is he's a... walking through this like really fancy bar and there's like this guy wearing like a Cubs jersey and like gives him a thumbs up. Exactly. It's so stupid. <laughs> and there are men who fall for this every uh-huh. minute of every day. It's so freaking good. Um, all right. I guess that's it then, Dave. I guess that um, is, yeah. Would you recommend this movie? You know, like uh, it's weird to give this movie five stars while giving like other films. I don't know. You can't really compare it to any other film, uh-huh. but it's of course it's a five star movie. Yeah, definitely five stars. Um, could this be his best movie? Um, hmm. that's a hard one to say. It's weird because like after this, his movies become so different. Yeah, he does Punch Drunk Love. There will be blood. The Master. It's all very different. I mean, and like Phantom Thread feels nothing like like this movie. No. But it's still great. It's still <laughs> awesome. I mean, he, he's developing his style as he goes, and he's now kind of, like, as great as this one is, he's kind of now in his prime. Yeah, definitely. So he's, like, reaching that crest, and, mm-hmm. and we're kind of just, like, experiencing it with him. Yeah. Uh, that's a debate for everybody. There yep. we go. Yep. So, yeah, that wraps things up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts, rate it, review it. Most of all, share it. It gets more dudes listening to the dudes. And if you don't use Apple Podcasts, you can find us anywhere else. You get a podcast. You know, it's pretty easy nowadays, Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, or go to dudesonmovies.com and find anything you need right there. Yes, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Look for Dudes on Movies. And our email address is dudesonmovies at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And we also have a voicemail, 304-804-DUDE. Call and leave us a voicemail. Tell us your answer to the question of the week. Question of the week um, is, what is your favorite Tom Cruise performance? There you go. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of good ones. Yes. This is a good one. So call the voicemail, 304-804-DUDE, and let us know. Uh, so stay tuned next week when we do 1992's Deep Cover, directed by Bill Duke and starring Lawrence Fishburne and Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> so until then, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>